So, and what I've really appreciated about what you do is that even though you're doing these beautiful things, it's, it's not like a keeping up with the Joneses sort of things yeah. that you do. You're just like, here's something beautiful. And also here's something practical for you to do yourself. And I really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I really want to make it accessible. That's a big deal for me because exactly like what you said, some things online, it's just so competitive and that's not really what I want to do at all. I just want people to feel like less overwhelmed. Hi, welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, certified dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me today, Taylor McDonald, the person behind the viral enrichment, Bindi's bucket list on Instagram and TikTok. She and her partner, Joe, adopted two rescue dogs within a year of each other, and they wanted to track their progress through social media. I'm excited to have Taylor with me for this episode as part of the enrichment series. Hi, Taylor. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, So it's it's quite something to see what you've done on social media. You were able to grow your Instagram and your TikTok pretty significantly. How did all of that start? It was actually a very overwhelming, crazy process. I don't think anybody really thinks anything's really going to go viral overnight, but that's exactly how it happens. And that's what happened to me in both cases. So what originally started as just a way for us to track our rescue's progress so that the rescue that we got our dogs from could see Bindi and Rosie grow. It kind of took off as soon as I posted a Kong plating photo, almost as a joke. So (laughs) I love doing like charcuterie and stuff for our friends and family, obviously pre-COVID when we could have get-togethers and everything. And I jokingly posted one of a Kong because I had been looking at all different things you can use inside your Kong besides peanut butter. And that just went haywire overnight. And the same kind of thing with TikTok. Um, TikTok is obviously a newer kind of beast. (laughs) I'm still trying to get the hang of that one. But uh, with the TikTok, we had just started it and the just normal enrichment beginner's guide to kind of enrichment went off and overnight we had 75,000 followers and I was just shocked still am shocked that it's like that it's a, such a weird space but it's awesome in the same breath that people are so interested in it and when did you bring so Bindi obviously was the first pup that you brought home right yeah when did you bring her home we brought her home in April of 2019 now because she just turned two and um she was like we always joked around that she was she was never like a puppy she was like an old soul she was very good she just is a big people pleaser very easy to train so when we got rosie in november of 2019 she was like our wild child she likes <laughs> she kind of did everything completely opposite to bindi which is totally fine. There's such different dogs in so many different aspects, but it was a total change for us because how we approached everything was so different. Like Rosie's just this sassy little dog who she's very confident, whereas I think Bindi was less confident. So she kind of leaned on us more, but it definitely showed me so much more that the fact that they were so different because it gave us a lot of learning curves, but in a good way in the end. 
Yeah. And uh, you started your Instagram in 2019 as well, or did that come later? Uh, we started in 2019. Uh, it wasn't obviously as involved as it is now. It was just like basic things like Bindi as she was growing older when we got rosy, just little things we would do. When we would travel with um, Bindi, we, usually, we would take her kind of everywhere with us pre-COVID. And then as soon as the enrichment started to take off, like people just were dying to know more about it. And that's when I began researching like a mad woman. <laughs> so I had to know more. And I was like, if people want to know this, I want to be properly informed about what I'm talking about. I don't want to just be viewing things that I know nothing about. Right. So I've been very, very lucky that I've been able to collaborate with like multiple forms of diverse enrichment involved people, which is amazing. And do you have a full time job, like a nine to five as well? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do have a nine to five job. And so adding this into my life has been kind of a whirlwind. Most people that know me personally know that I am just crazy organized. Like I have, I still have like a regular paper planner that just has my life in it. And without it, I would be lost. And the same is kind of with my social media. I plan everything out in advance just so that I, I'm not all consumed by it because as we grow bigger, it's definitely overwhelming. I can see why people have, especially brands or businesses have multiple people that run their social medias because it can get really crazy. Basically when you, and I don't, I, so this is actually something I'd love to talk to you about because I know nothing about going viral. It's kind of the lottery of the social media world is the best way to describe <laughs> it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it can become a part-time and in a lot of cases, a full-time job. So it sounds like at this point, you're bringing an income and making money doing it. What, how did you manage that basically overnight success? Well, it's one of those things that I think I honestly am just so grateful for the connections we have because people are the biggest help when you, when you ask questions and you have people that are willing to help you, that those people are just like worth their weight in gold to me, because if I wouldn't have known where to even start, right? Because obviously Instagram and social media, they're their own beast. And there's things like the algorithm and when you should be posting and stuff like that. People try and cap in at the right times, doing the right things, et cetera, like that. There's, it's like a recipe, right? And well, we don't make like an, I wouldn't say necessarily like an income through Bindi's bucket list. I try and do a lot of the like local businesses and stuff. I just usually comp like, cause I just, especially with COVID, a lot of people are having such a hard time, right. With businesses and being closed and not being able to go inside stores and shop. I'd way rather just do that for free, especially when it's businesses that I love, but it does still become almost like a job of its own because I would say the thirst for content is so so alive and hungry everyone wants something new everyone's looking for the next best thing because you're just scrolling all day especially nowadays right so the pressure to be constantly pumping out content is there and I think only recently I've realized, okay, it's okay not to do that all the time. It's okay to take a step back. It's okay to not post, right? Whereas everyone's telling you, you need to post, 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 post. 
but I think a big thing in making social media enjoyable for the creators and also the audience is everyone just knowing that they can take a breather and it's okay. The world's not going to fall apart. Yes. Um, I, I saw recently someone was talking about time debt where we're all running out of time in our day, especially if there's certain things that are happening, like you go viral or, you know, other, other things. And it, it was so interesting to look at it like that. And how do we manage our time so we can get caught up in those things and be consumed by it, or we can make some more conscious decisions. And that's why I had, I had asked you too, like, oh, are you trying to preserve your Sundays? <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy. And especially with something like going viral, like never did I expect that to happen. And I will never forget that day because I was at work. This was obviously pre-COVID. COVID, still working in the office. And I went to lunch and I was like, what has happened? Because I had 500 messages and I've never even had, I don't even think I've had 20 messages in my inbox at this time. So I was like, what is going on? And so that took off. And I just remember not even knowing what to do, like how, how to even start. Right. So I think it's, it was a, a very important message well, lesson learned for me, because I think we see these big accounts and it's easy to forget that there's a human behind them sometimes. Right. So I was like, how am I one person going (laughs) to message all these people back or even look at all of these or even properly reply? So I think that's why, where, when you talk about time debt, that's so so true and so important. We don't even talk about that nearly enough, I think, but it's definitely when it comes to social media, yeah, that's a huge expense you're paying is your time debt. It's wild. (laughs) It is. It's such a weird thing on its own. And I don't think you ever really get used to that part. It's just, I don't know. It's like you said, it's like a weird lottery and you're just like along for the ride kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that a lot on um, YouTube as well. The ad- algorithm just picks up somebody and is like, here you go. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, life changes forever. And it's like, <laughs> and I and sometimes I wonder about that, too, as a as a dog trainer. I'm like, I don't. Is that something I'm interested in? Is that something I want to pursue? But my focus, and that's why I'm so grateful for people like you that are willing to be on the podcast is my focus is how do I capture some of that good stuff and some of those amazing things that are happening and bring them to Little Rock? Like, that's really what I, I'm like, how do I, how do I bring that to Little Rock and show Little Rock some of these cool things out there? That's um, awesome. Yeah. So thank you for, for being on, on this. Oh, anytime. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you, so you're on the East Coast, is that right? So I'm in Ontario. So I'm in Ontario, Canada. So I've lived here my whole life. Um, And right now, obviously, we're not really going anywhere. But we try and keep we recently just moved to a new area. So that's been interesting getting used to that, uh, especially during a pandemic where you can't really get to know your new neighborhood or anything right when everything's kind of closed. So I'm excited for when things open up. That'll be kind of nice because we'll be able to explore more and see more of what our new city has to offer. But so far everywhere we've been able to go are outdoor locations, which is great for the dogs. They've been loving it and having a yard. So it's been definitely an interesting couple of few months, but yeah, 
So we're in Ontario. <laughs> nice. I heard the slightest bit of an accent and I was trying to pinpoint what it was. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For with your dog, did you and, and Joe both grow up with dogs? Were these your first dogs or your first dogs as adult? Yeah. So Joe and I both grew up with dogs and we actually both grew up with rescue dogs. So we, Joe and I have been together going on nine years and in 2019, we figured was the right time for us. We were at, had our stable jobs. We were living together. We were like, now's the time we'll kind of start looking to see what we want to do. And Joe had always been very puppy. He wanted to have a puppy because his dog, when he grew up, they got it from a puppy. Whereas me, I had always had adult dogs growing up. And I was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like I, I wanted to rescue at the time. And obviously puppies go so fast. So um, I think when he finally had a puppy, he realized why I was like, are you sure you want to have a puppy? Because it is a ton of work and today's International Puppy Day. Well, I love puppies and having puppies can be so much fun. It is a full-time job on its own, right? So when we were looking, he was very set on it. That's what we did. I don't know if in the future we'll go with puppies again, but it definitely was crazy. And then having two within less than six months, people thought we were crazy and we kind of were, <laughs> but in the end it worked out. Thank God. So you got both Bindi and Rosie when they were pretty young. Yes. So the rescue estimates that Bindi was probably about three months, three to four months tops when we got her and same with Rosie. So they were both very, very young. And like I said, both very different personalities. Luckily, Bindi was pretty, pretty easy. Rosie, we had a harder time with, I think also because she, when she came, she had um, a, we didn't know what was quite going on. She had this uh, incontinence issue which that on its own, I feel for anyone that has to go through that. So that was a pretty crazy, busy time for us, but everything worked out in the end, which is I'm very thankful for because it was a crazy time. Did Bindi lure you in with a false sense of, oh, this is easy. Another puppy will be no <laughs> issue. <laughs> I would be lying to say no. Um, <laughs> like I always, like people are always like, puppies are crazy. And, and Bindi obviously was not perfect in the slightest, but she was just like compared to everything everyone had said. I was like, like she was very, very, very good. And I'd be lying if I wasn't like hoping that Rosie would be as easy to train and stuff when she came, but that's just like, obviously that's not going to happen with every dog. Right. So definitely like a false sense there, but it also made us learn in a hurry and provided us very different opportunities for both of them. That's actually something I see quite a bit as a dog trainer is that people have this pretty wonderful dog. The personality is great, easy to train, all that. And then the, the next dog they get gives them a run for their money because they're like, wait, this is not the same. So it happens quite Absolutely. a bit. Oh, yeah. And I always like to talk about that with people because I get a ton of questions of having like about having two dogs. And I'm always like, never think your second dog is going to be your first, like your first. And I in no way thought that Rosie was going to be like a Bindi clone or anything like that. But I would be lying if I didn't say, oh, you know what? She was pretty good. Like chances are Rosie's going to be good. But it, I think we just forget because we're just like, oh, I just can't wait to have this other dog or this puppy. And we were so excited. 
And obviously having a, getting a puppy is super exciting time, but there's so much to think about too, which I always like to talk about as well. There's so many more attributes than you think when you're adding a second dog. Absolutely. Yes. And it's sometimes hard to prepare people for that because you don't really know until you're in the midst of it, right? Until you've brought that second dog home and the reality hits of like, okay, this is what's going on. This is where the personalities diverge and this dog likes to dig and that dog likes to chew and it can be a lot. Oh yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I did a blog post on it because when we were looking at getting a second dog, all we were met with was very, very positive reviews. Like everyone who had a second dog, like the only bad thing people said was, oh, it's a little harder to walk them on a leash together. Like that was just the one thing that people kept saying. And then after getting a second dog, I was like, I'm like, nobody even mentioned half of this stuff. Like, oh my gosh, like, like, but people also forget the puppy stage and maybe people have had their dogs for a while and you just kind of blur out the bad stuff after it's gone. So I always promise myself, I'm like, I will never forget the chaos of getting two dogs because when people ask me, I want to be honest. I want to be like, yeah, it's great now, but uh, I cried every day for like <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's so true. Uh, I have, yeah, I have clients that have said that too. And uh, honestly, I have a nine-year-old dog now and I just added my pandemic puppy a year ago at this point. And she, she made me question everything I, I thought I knew about dogs and I'm a dog trainer. So yeah right there with you. But for the first year of my first dog's life, every single day, I'm like, I want to give it back. I don't, I don't like this. It's hard. Yeah, I know it's hard to say, but it's true. It can be absolute chaos it can, mm-hmm. and it can drive you to the brink some days. And you're just like, oh, you just like, you hold on to yourself and you just go, this has got to get better at some point. And eventually it does. And mo- obviously it's some cases not which is terrible but it's like coming around that hump right it's like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) and you're just hoping it's not a train yeah yeah yes that's a good way of putting it and all these things help right training helps enrichment helps how did you so enrichment's become this huge buzzword recently how did you find it how did you how would you describe it and why did you start incorporating it into your life yeah that's a great question so I think originally we when we were doing enrichment, we were doing it, but we didn't even know that it was enrichment, right? Like this, I think that's what a lot of people are finding now, like the classic Kongs that every, they've been around for so long. And, but now this enrichment buzzword, people are thinking about enrichment and what it means for dogs more so than I'm just going to give my dog a peanut butter stuffed Kong because that's what we do when we have dogs. So when we, when I had originally started all the Kong planning and everything, um, I help admin a group called Canine Enrichment on Facebook. Highly recommend it to people who are looking for um, just a baseline to start with enrichment for dogs. It is an amazing group with an amazing set of admin. I've learned so much from Shay Kelly, who started the whole group and has a book called Canine Enrichment. And it's one of those things that once you realize the amount of enrichment that you can provide your dog for little to no money. And also it doesn't have to be hard for you to put together. I find that it's hard to stop. So enrichment is essentially when we're providing a positive outlet for our dog's innate needs. So stuff like 
providing a sniffing outlet or a foraging outlet, chewing, chasing, everything like that, right? Licking certain, for example, like the lick mats or the snuffle mats, classic Kongs like we were just talking about, a flirt pole, just stuff like this. And I love that it's become more popular because I think people are realizing the effect that it has on their dogs and also on their selves, right? Because when we have happier dogs, we have happier owners. And when our dogs are behaving better, it's obviously going to make everyone in the house happier as well. So once we started on the enrichment train, it honestly kept chugging along. And I found myself online until the wee hours in the morning, looking up every study that I could, because I just had to know more. And it's not like enrichment is a new thing either. This has been around forever, especially with concepts such as like the contra freeloading concept. And you see enrichment in many captive species and animal programs, like at the zoo, for example, like Toronto Zoo, they have a whole enrichment program for across multiple species, even including reptiles. So it's pretty fantastic. And it's very, very interesting to learn about. How did you see enrichment impact Bindi and Rosie? For Bindi, so it started off small because obviously I was talking about the Kongs and we were using Kongs to crate train Bindi just because obviously a puppy, we didn't want her just roaming the house when we were working, we wanted her to be safe. And since she was kind of a nervous dog, she took to it very, very well. It was very much her safe space. So it was just such a habit to give her Kong before we created her and it became such a positive thing for her that when it was around the time we were leaving for work, she would already be sitting in her crate. She's like, I know I'm going to get my stuff Kong. I know I'm going to get my little enrichment before um, you leave. And I think enrichment for my dogs too, I can see the change of their body language. It's like watching, especially with snuffle mats. I'm a huge snuffle mat fan. It's like watching my dogs do like a sigh with their body language, right? They like, they're instantly have less tense posture. Their tails are going, you can hear their little noses go. They have like soft ears. They're just at ease. And it's very easy to pick up on when you start to know what visual cues you need to look for. And I also notice it a lot in their sleeping routines as well. Like the more enrichment, or if we're doing something outside enrichment wise, they're zonked, like they're tired, right? Because they've been working their brain. Obviously some um, enrichment forms we do are also exercise as well. So it's just, you can see the positive impact on them for sure. And you can see the difference when they don't have it because they get into more trouble. They're looking for things to do, right? And I love that you, you mention like that deep, you know, that sigh and that relaxation. I have someone else on the podcast who mentions how her dog's sleep changed. Actually, she sees that it's actually a deep restful sleep after enrichment. And I've noticed that in my own dogs too. I've got a hyperactive little nine pound. I think she's a toy Fox terrier. And when I give her the long lead and she could sniff whatever she wants, when we get back to the house, she is ready to like nap and she's out. (laughs) And it, it's not that much. It's not that much to just be like, all right, why don't you have some choices, right? Why don't you do something that you enjoy? And exactly, it's so interesting to see what people fight against sometimes. Cause I think sometimes we have this expectation of our dogs. Like we want it to them to look a certain way or be a certain way. And it really doesn't cost that much from us to be like, here's a choice. Here's something fun to do. Why don't you destroy this box instead of my floorboards? Right. It's, and it's so true. And I think, I think we forget as people that, 
our dogs do not have outlets unless we provide them as owners, right? Um, our dogs are not out in the wild. They can't just pick and choose what they're going to do that day. Uh, they can obviously kind of pick and choose what they're doing in the house. But if you want a positive outlet for your dog, you are going to be the one that provides it or they're going to make it themselves, And it may not be the kind of that you want them to choose so by providing them choice just like you said that's such a key word the word choice giving our dogs a choice makes such a huge difference because without giving them a choice it's just a dead end what are where, which way are they going to go right because they don't have the ability to just choose what they want to do that day or what they want to do in the next hour it is also so wild to me as I'm incorporating enrichment into my, even my training plans with my clients, along with training, we see dogs start to make choices in their jumping behaviors, in their reactivity, in when they're asking for attention. When you give dogs choices with enrichment and training, they start to use those choices in every aspect of their life, including their behavior. So if we, we've, I kind of call it, sometimes I call it the illusion of choice, which isn't super accurate, but I compare it to like giving a child a cup, right? They have to drink water out of a cup, but if they get to choose whether it's blue or green, then suddenly their world opens up a little bit. And what does that cost us to give them that choice, right? Nothing, but it helps them interact with their world in a little bit of a, a more productive way. That is such a good way to put it. I love the cup analogy because it's absolutely spot on, even with dogs. And I know sometimes we compare like small children and dogs and little aspects of like, just like the cup when you were just talking about. And it's so true. It's just the smallest detail of that costs us as owners, nothing, but means the world to the dog and can show such a difference in their behavior because of that. Yes. And when I try to explain to people too, the language is different. So sometimes people get upset, you know, comparing kids and dogs, but behavior is the same how we interact and understand behavior is the same, even if the reasons are different or the language is different. How we understand behavior, there's so many parallels and it's it's so interesting. Behavior is the same, language is different. And when we start to see um, consequences and we start to understand if we reward the good things, we get more good things. If we ignore something asking for attention, they're going to find creative and sometimes destructive ways to get attention. And we see that in children as well. Well, and I know I mentioned decompression walks and you, and I'm going to link to your getting a second dog post. I'm going to link to your canine enrichment group as well. And I, and I think you also have a blog post on non-food items. So sometimes when we think of enrichment or talking about enrichment, everyone goes to food, but decompression walks are not food, tearing things up are not food. And I think you have a non-food item uh, list on a blog post, right? Yeah. And I think you're also reading my mind because I'm about to put one out this week as well. That's a little bit more in depth, in depth with a few more things on it as well. Um, Cause that's one that people are always looking for. And I totally get why certain dogs just, obviously if given too much food, we don't want to overfeed our dogs and some dogs just aren't food motivated. And I think that shocks people a lot, but it's very, very common. So sometimes even if people want to use food, it's not really what their dog wants to do. Right. So stuff like flirt poles is like 
flirt poles are amazing, especially for very high energy breeds, as well as stuff like I've posted our ball pit, which my dogs go absolutely insane over the ball pit. And that's a really easy one as well. You don't even have to fill it with balls. You can fill it with various like paper recycling as well. The dogs go crazy for that. In the summer, obviously we've had winter now, so it's been a little harder to do certain things outside, but we usually do like a little sand dig pit and we all do a little kiddie pool even though them together just means it's a mud pit for my life, but (laughs) they enjoy it so much. I can't not do it. Um, But there's so many non-food things that you can do as well. Like Rosie loves bubbles. Bubbles are like her thing. Whereas Bindi's like, "Mm, not for her, but there's a wide variety of things out there. You just kind of have to get creative sometimes. Absolutely. And how would you describe a flirt pole for those who might not know what it is? Yeah. So a flirt pole, how I usually describe it is most people know what it is, except when they know about it, they think about it with a cat. So think about the little tiny poles that most people use for the cat. They usually have like a little feather at the end. It's kind of like a lure, right? And a flirt pole is essentially a dog scale cat little fishing pole if you want to call it that it's essentially like a long stick with usually like a rope of some sort on the end and a lure of choice so sometimes it can be like furry sometimes it can be feathery sometimes it's crinkly you can use scents with it you can use sounds like I said there's some that are crinkle there's some that are just like you can add their favorite toy to the end but it essentially um, activates your dog's prey drive because you can essentially whip it around and use it as a lure. And you can also use it to train lots of really cool tricks as well. You can also use it to train impulse control. There's lots of different things you can do with a flirt pole. I just got mine on Amazon, but you can also make them very, very easy. There's couple different DIY options on YouTube that you can make and they're pretty inexpensive as well. And these are great for your corgis, for your hounds, for um, your healers, anything that's used to herding or chasing any a dog that likes squirrels, right? Get them a flirt pole and take that, you know, instead of stopping, you know, what is basically their instinct, let's take it and make it productive instead. And that's really what enrichment is. Absolutely. And a common question I get is, well, won't this make my dogs want to chase things more? And my answer is usually no, like there's no literature to suggest that giving your dog a flirt pole is going to make them want to chase prey more. Um, The studies that are out there have actually showed that this is usually the opposite because your dog has a like a positive outlet to use their prey drive for. So their need is already met. So it's not like they're going to seek more, like they're not going to act up necessarily. Obviously each dog is different. I don't want to say this and your dog just all of a sudden get thirsty for squirrels after they have a flirt pole. (laughs) But literature wise, there's no, nothing that links the two to like amp up your dog's play driver as quote unquote, make them bloodthirsty. (laughs) Like some people like to say there, but And I love that you bring up studies and and the literature because sometimes, especially with our dogs, we get these ideas in our head, which is where we see a lot of confirmation bias when it comes to things like training or theories in training and all that stuff. People think, well, if this, then this, but if we can look at the science and actually test it and actually see if that's true, instead of just relying on what we think is going to happen, then that can really help as well. And a lot of the things are 
bred into our dogs, like digging and chewing and sniffing and chasing. So if their brain is telling them I got to do it and we can give them a positive outlet then that to me, that says it should help. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think with these behaviors that people just make quote unquote bad, like, oh, my dog is digging. That's bad. My dog is chewing. That's bad. Everything like that. But when we allocate that to a positive outlet, it's good, right? Because first of all, it's super enjoyable for our dogs, right? We all know, like for me, Bindi is a digger. She loves to dig. And you can see that, like I said, with her body language, when she's digging, she's just the happiest little hound. And by providing her that outlet, it's nice because if I don't, she's not going to have that outlet at all. And maybe she'll take it out on my lawn, right? So there's just so many little intricacies to it. And that's why I love reading about the literature on it, especially I find it super important to be informed about it when I'm talking about it so much. It's not something I take lightly to talk about. I don't want to just be grasping at straws and pretending I know all this stuff that's just coming out of nowhere. I love to learn about it and it's always changing. So that's why when someone sends me a new study about it, I get super nerdily excited (laughs) because... I want to know more. I do. And I love sharing that with everybody else. And I just, I want to comment on that's how you take going viral and do it responsibly, right? Because it could have been very easy for you to be like, I know what I'm talking about. Here you go. But instead you're like, I want to do this the right way. I want to make sure I'm leading people correctly. Let me do my research and find that information and really, you know, get these things so that I'm, I'm doing it ethically. Right. And yeah. with social media, it's so easy to just be like, I know what I'm talking about when some people don't. So I love that you're doing it in a responsible way as well. Thank you. I do take it very seriously that way because I wouldn't want to be, I don't know. I just, I try and think about what I would want to be reading and what I would want to be consuming as someone following someone or following a blog or following someone on Instagram or what have you. And you would obviously be super upset if you found out all this stuff you had learned from someone was just not even real or was just completely made up. And I didn't want that to ever happen. I didn't want to ever mislead people or make people think, oh, canine enrichment is this big thing because of X, Y, Z without knowing what I was talking about. So I appreciate that you like that kind of thing and that you appreciate the work that goes into that because I really, really try hard to make sure that happens on all of our platforms. Absolutely. And I see it. And that's how I am as a dog trainer. I got certified because it's important. I'm ongoing learning because I am I think it's important. And I did the exact same thing as you. I thought about what sort of trainer would I first be able to afford to hire? And second off, would I want to work with? And then I became that trainer. And when you do it that way, I think it's such a beautifully ethically way to look at it because you can be confident in what you're putting out and how you're connecting with other people. And yes. I just think it's, it's such a great way to do it. So I think that's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> well, you have your Instagram, you have your website, you have your TikTok. I'm going to link to all of that as well. And anything else that you'd like to promote? No, I think that's, that should be totally fine. Like all of our social stuff is just, everything is Bindi's bucket list. So it's pretty easy to just link it. Perfect. And how'd you come up with the name? That's it's pretty cute. Originally it was just Bindi, right? So originally it was just, we were going to do a bucket list of things we wanted to do with our dog. <laughs> so it was Bindi's bucket list when we brought her home. 
and everyone's like, oh, are you going to change it? Like, will you change it with Rosie? But honestly, I just, I don't think we'll ever change it. It just stuck. And also the hassle of getting everything changed over now that like, it's like the website, all of the socials. So Benny's bucket list is where it'll stand. I think. Oh, I think it's super cute. And I think it's great. So thank you so much. (laughs) How long are you going to make it? That's what people don't think about when it comes to like socials. You can't have like a Bindi and Rosie's bucket list. Like it's just too long. (laughs) I know. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll change it. Because obviously you hum and haw. But I was just like, oh, I just like it the way it is. Yeah, it's just, it'll stay like that. Unless something absolutely has to change. But (laughs) I can't think of what would make us change it at this point. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, certified dog trainer in Central Arkansas, and my guest today, Taylor McDonald of Bindi's Bucket List. Music has been provided by Jim Tiago of 7 Second Chance. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify, and stick around for After the Music for some final advice from Taylor. Taylor, before we sign off completely, do you have any advice for someone? Maybe they're a new dog owner. Maybe they're considering enrichment. Where should they start? There's many places you can start, but my advice would be to start with the bare bones. You don't have to make it super expensive. You don't have to make it super elaborate. Just start with what you know. So most people ask, like, what are the three toys I should start with when starting with enrichment? If there were three things that you could buy on the market that I would suggest, it would be three toys that provide different um, aspects of canine enrichment. So for example, classic Kong, easy to find, they're pretty much available worldwide. So wherever you are in the world, you should be able to find a classic Kong or something very similar. Then I like to say something like a Kong wobbler or something that moves, something that moves around that treats can come out of. So that allows you to have something that is also a little bit active for um, enrichment and for getting treats, whereas a Kong plastic is more of like a stagnant thing. Your your dog's going to be doing it laying down in their crate or relaxing. And then I like to suggest something that is more of a relaxing, um, calming form of enrichment, I guess you could say. So something like a snuffle mat or a lick mat. And you don't even have to purchase a snuffle mat. To see if your dog likes it, I have some towel puzzles that are super easy to put together uh, in our reels. They're also on our blog and our TikTok. I made sure they were on pretty much every social media we have. They're super easy to put together. All you need is an old towel. It takes two seconds. And usually it's a huge hit with every dog pretty much. Like It could go for seniors, for puppies, for um, nervous dogs, for fearful dogs but start very easy. Never forget to offer help for your dog, especially if starting out, it's not a bad thing to offer help. Some people think, oh, if I offer help, will that discourage my dog or make them dependent on me? But when starting out, never hesitate to offer help and always make it easier if if your dog is looking frustrated. So that's another great tip as well is we don't wanna cause frustration. So starting at the bare bones, making it very easy and then working your way up will help set your dog up for success. And then you can start getting a little bit more funky as time goes on and you realize what your dog likes. And then the sky's kind of the limit. You can kind of take off in any direction you want.